0: Hello and welcome to the Organic Outreach International podcast. I'm Walt Bennett. I'm the president and CEO of Organic Outreach International, also a pastor at Shoreline Church in Monterey, California. With me today uh, for this episode, I've got Kevin Harney, uh, who you may recognize that name as the visionary leader and co-founder with his wife, Sherry Harney of Organic Outreach International, also author of the three organic outreach books. Uh, Kevin's also the lead pastor at Shoreline Church in Monterey, California. Uh, you may notice if you've been following our our podcast that uh, historically Adam Barr has hosted these podcasts. He will continue to host podcasts uh, on a once a month basis versus to twice a month. Those will be the second week of each month. This new stream of podcasts is going to focus instead of on thought leaders as Adam's podcast will continue to do. Uh, we're going to focus on practitioners of organic outreach. And we're going to release these the, the fourth week of every month. And, and these podcasts are not going to be conversations about how easy it is to change the culture of your church. We're not going to be discussing uh, how slam dunk, uh, you just plug the program in and everything works and suddenly your church is an outreach machine. Because that's not the way it works. Uh, if, if you've studied organic outreach at all and been to any of the trainings, you understand that when we talk about culture change, it is a long, slow, relentlessly intentional process to bring that change about. What we're going to focus on is how we overcome all those challenges that come up. We're going to talk about to, to – to folks in, who are pastoring churches, we're going to talk to denominational leaders, we're going to talk to uh, people within churches where organic outreach is happening, and, and walk through the journey with them as we go uh, episode by episode, we're going to talk about roadblocks that they run into and how they've overcome those, and, and roadblocks that maybe they haven't overcome yet, and we'll strategize ways to do that. So our hope is that if you're out there and, and you are looking at changing the culture of your church that become more outreach oriented, you're ready to jump into this culture changing transformation, that this will become a regular tool that you turn to every month to hear how it's happening in the field, to take that theory to practice and really understand better ways to keep moving things forward in your church. So, with that being said, I, I encourage you, if you haven't listened to our past uh, podcast episodes, jump into those and, and get caught up to speed with the ones that Adam's hosting. We've got uh, leaders in there uh, within the, the thought leader world. We've got Lee Strobel, a, a well known apologist, and uh, with a movie recently made out of his experience. Uh, we've got the author, speaker, and university president of Cornerstone University, Dr. Joseph Stowell. We've got Mark Middleberg, just a, a treasure of different guests in those episodes, so I encourage you to go back and listen to those, but also encourage you to subscribe to this podcast as we move forward uh, to just keep getting your feet into the operational world of organic outreach so with that being said, uh, we're going to jump right into this inaugural episode and really want to just talk about kind of the evolution of organic outreach where how we've gotten where we are um, and some of the uh, the road bumps that Kevin has run into along that journey and and ways that we've overcome those and what we're going to be doing going forward so uh, that being said, Kevin, why don't you just share with us the very nascent stages of organic outreach as you started you know what what struck you
1: that made you start thinking about changing the way the churches operate changing this culture? Well thank you. it's great to be with you on this first uh, first podcast and this new stream of podcasts and and you know when you talk about your know, real life practitioners, uh, for me, I've been practicing organic outreach for over thirty years. I, I didn't know that's what it was at first. I was just trying to live the life of Jesus and And so when I looked at the church when I became a Christian, having grown up outside the church, outside of faith, I looked at all these churches and I thought, man, what a powerful thing to have these bodies of people who are just naturally sharing the love of Jesus and sharing the message of Jesus and the hope of Jesus. I mean, that's what the church is supposed to do. So I looked at all these churches and thought, this is amazing that the world's just going to be transformed by this good news. And then with time, I realized that many, many churches really weren't acting on what they truly believe. They weren't acting on what they're truly committed to at the depth of their hearts. And there were things getting in the way. And so Organic Outreach came out of my desire to see local churches be what God wants them to be, be what they want to be, and really be all that can be done through the Holy Spirit to bring the good news of Jesus to the world. And so that drove me to begin thinking about natural ways to mobilize the church and change the culture so it's truly outwardly focused. Excellent, excellent. And and so, th-
0: how did this evolve into you know what we call now this operating system? What's the difference between operating system and a program? And and you know, how's organic outreach? What does that all
1: all that mean? Yeah, well, you know, I use the term operating system because a lot of churches what they're looking for they look and they say we're not reaching out very well. We want to do evangelism. So, where's the best program? You know, what can I plug in and what program we can do an outreach weekend, a special Sunday outreach. Uh, a special Christmas program of some sort, um, certain kinds of groups that we can invite non-believers to, all those are great things to do, but they're all programmatic. And what I realized was you could take these programs and plug them into a church in which the culture, or I use the term the operating system like a computer, You know, if the operating system is not working, nothing you plug into a computer is going to work. Well, if the operating system of a church, the culture, the heartbeat is not what God wants it to be. Churches can spend all kinds of time, all kinds of money, and all kinds of energy, and try tons of programs, and they just keep saying, well, this doesn't work, this doesn't work, this doesn't work. And there's a point where you stop and say, wait a minute, maybe the problem's not one more program. Maybe the problem is the operating system, the culture of our church. So I really began grappling with how do you look deep and honestly and humbly at the culture of a local church, change it to become what Jesus wants it to be, and then the programs and the, and, and the apps and the different things that you do, uh, the ministries for outreach—they actually work because the heart of the church, the culture of the church, the operating system is functioning the right way.
0: That's that's amazing, and and so I, I just love this whole idea because it it just creates this this image of, of a sustainable environment, something that. Yeah. Uh, isn't just a flash in the pan it, it gets an immediate result, and then suddenly you have to be looking around for something else uh, but it, it builds something that that continues to build on itself i want to I want to dive into a couple of pieces of organic outreach and, and just kind of pull out of your past experience, particularly I want to go into this, the mind shifts for a minute. when you first started implementing this in in uh, some churches in in Michigan, out of the the seven different mind shifts, which mind shift was the most needed when you first started doing this in the churches that you were in?
1: Well, that's a fantastic question. And we, we ended up coming up with seven mind shifts that are in the book and in our resources. But the truth is, there's more. And what I've discovered is until our mind, until our thinking changes, our behavior doesn't change. So for a local church, until their thinking, their mindset, their attitude changes, they can run all the programs they want. It's not going to really reach people who are lost. And I think one of the I think they're all critical, they're all important, but one that I think is so urgent and it was early on when I began doing this, and it's absolutely essential today is from belonging from from believing to belonging. you know we often say, you have to believe this, believe this, believe, this, then you can become part of our church and we live in a day and an age where people are going to walk in and they don't believe a lot of what we believe, but they want to be they want to be invited in welcomed, loved. They want to belong to a church family. And I, I could tell you story after story of our church in Michigan that we pastored for almost 15 years here at Shoreline, where I've been a pastor for now just just over 10 years, where people have walked in and they have felt loved and embraced right where they are. They got to become part of the church. We, we, we have have people right now who walk around Monterey and they're not yet followers of Jesus. They're, they're, their mouths are pretty foul. Their lifestyles aren't. Aren't sanctified or like Jesus at all. But they'll say to people, you know, hey, I go to Shoreline Church, I'm part of Shoreline Church. Shoreline is my church. And some people are thinking, well, you don't want people like that walking around town saying, Shoreline Church is my church. But I'll tell you, as a pastor, I want that. Because what it says to people is, anyone's welcome here. Now we we have clear biblical beliefs, we don't believe, we don't compromise on those beliefs. But we invite people where they are to come and be part of the community. And we say, you're part of the church family. Now, to be absolutely clear, uh, they're not teaching a Sunday school class. They're not influencing the young people in the church. They still aren't yet followers of Jesus but they can belong. We have people that are on our hospitality team that cut fresh fruit and bagels and help serve refreshments. And they're part of a community of servants and they're not yet a follower of Jesus. A One woman came to our church to our a clothing closet to get some clothes. She had for the first time experienced poverty in her life. She came and she was so loved. She wanted to come back and help give clothes away to other people and she began being part of that ministry, giving clothes away before she became a follower of Jesus. Now she's a devoted Christian. She's actually a leader of, of a couple of different ministries and of our service ministries and a high level partner in those ministries. And, and she's also reaching out to others with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Her name is Lupe Ortiz and Lupe was able to belong in the church before she ever believed in Jesus. That's a massive shift. That seems like a small thing, but it is transformational.
0: Yeah, and you know one of the things I, I love about these mind shifts is, is they're so interconnected as well. I mean, so closely related to the believing to belonging mind shift is that us to them mind shift, and and it's almost like you have to you have to recognize yes to them first in order to implement the believing to belonging. You know, I was at a, a, a an elder for a church up in Washington State, and uh, the, the elder board had an opportunity finally to make some upgrades to the building and and there was some just absolutely heated debates in the in the elder board over how we spent the money, and particularly on the pews. You know, and, and they talked about the pews, and there were people who said, "We are never going to remove these pews. We've you know we sat in the same spot in these solid wood pews forever, and this is our church, and this is going to stay." And there are others who say, no, let's put some nice padded chairs in here. Let's think about the people who come in uh, who have never sat in a church before that, you know, we're going to make them sit for an hour on this hard wood and listen to something that at the language they may not understand. Uh, and, and we almost came to blows over this decision. And there was a the one camp that was purely uh, about us and one camp that was thinking about them. And, you know, at the end, we compromised. We, we had the, the pews refinished and, and put a thin, thin padding on the bottom, <laughs> bolted them back down to the floor. And then, but in the very back of the, of the worship center, uh, was raised every work, our choir would sing every, every month, once a month, and the rest of the time anybody could sit there. Well, we went ahead and put those padded, the new padded, hooked together chairs back there, uh, just as kind of a trial, left all the rest of the pews bolted down, and I, I, I'm not kidding, within a month. The most vocal opponents to those, to to getting rid of the pews were parked in those soft comfy seats in the back. And, and, but their whole argument was, this is about us. It's our money. We've raised this for a church. We have spent it for us instead of thinking about the experience of them. And, and, you know, this experience of church on Sundays, yes, it's wonderful that we can come together in, in community that Koinonia and, and, Worship with one another, but we're also there to welcome in everyone who hasn't been introduced to Him yet, and, and we have to have that that them mindset to then help us foster that believing to belonging, helping them feel like they belong. So, all these mindsets are so intertwined; it's uh, it's it's quite a mosaic, and and it's hard sometimes to figure out where to start. Um, so, talking about that, how would you recommend a church that's just looking at it you know they're exploring doing organic outreach what are some first steps that you would recommend for that church
1: well I'd, I'd follow up on what you just said about the you know from us to them if the fundamental thinking and the first thought when it comes to how we spend our money our time our energy what we do in the church if our first thought is more for us more Bible studies for us more worship experiences for us I mean we're Christians we have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms the book of ephesians says but but what more can we do for us if that's the fundamental thinking, it's going to be tough to get started. But if we say there's people that Jesus loves that are still far from him, his heart is open to them, but they're wandering far from him. They're that lost sheep that's wandering. They're out there somewhere. Are we going to be about them, thinking about them? Is our first thought, how can we reach out? How can we love? How can we care for people? And then do our money and our time and our ministries get leveraged towards that? That's powerful. So I would say one foundational question is that a church needs to ask, do we believe that our salvation... And our life of faith and our community life together is really primarily or exclusively about more and more for us. Or do we believe that Jesus really meant it when he said, take up your cross, deny yourself and follow me. Be ready to sacrifice everything you love, uh, and, and I tell you what. Well, one of the I, I watched the story unfold right here in our community, not too far from our church in Monterey. Here is another church, and I won't say the name of the church or the pastor's name because it's kind of a funny little story. But this pastor uh, is new in a church; they're turning it around. There are these two churches sitting right next to each other. They're both older churches, both have been declining. Both of them decide to make a decision on how to use the space on the side of their building. Uh, one of the churches put up a stone wall and made a little a little cemetery for their church members. Talk about being for us. We're going to bury our people right here on our church property. They literally put a little cemetery for their church. At about the same time, the church across the street, who wasn't reaching many young families, put up a fence, and inside of it, they put play equipment and a swing set and stuff for kids, hoping to reach young families. Now, for all the listeners out there, I want you to take a wild guess. Which of those churches is slowly dying? And one of those churches has doubled in size. They have young families. And in a recent Sunday, an older gentleman came up to the pastor, this turnaround pastor is doing new things in this church. And, and this older gentleman said with tears in his eyes, this is the first Sunday I've seen our worship center full of people, except for funerals in the last 10 years. One church said, we're going to be about us put in a cemetery. Another said, we're going to be about our community. And they put it in a playground. What a beautiful parable. What a picture of a mindset that says we're not just about us. Now, we are a church that exists to grow the believers and to glorify God in worship. The church exists to do three things, worship, grow believers, and reach the world. But but we've got to make sure that reach the world is on the front burner of all we're thinking. So, so that's a starting point, I think, is we have to say, why do we exist? And if we don't believe we exist for the world, uh, I'd encourage people to actually read a, a little book called The U-Turn Church that I wrote with Bob Bauer. And I know there's also a podcast of Bob Bauer. He he's, leads the largest reformed church in America. And that church has experienced all kinds of U-Turn, turnaround, organic outreach movement in their life. But that book will get you thinking about a whole new way of kind of setting your thoughts and your vision beyond yourselves to your community.
0: Yeah, and that's uh, what a, what a great story those two churches and and I mean one could all, all almost say that their choice of what to do with that little plot next to their building was somewhat prophetic, yeah. in in terms of mirroring the outcome uh, that that resulted. Uh, so yeah, I love uh, you know when we get down to the heart of the church and and we look at what the church is about and and what the leaders are modeling in their own lives and, and this is something that we you know, every time we do a training or a teaching. Uh, you know, at least once every session, we point out the fact that you cannot—you uh, cannot lead what you do not live. And and let's, talk to me a little bit about your your personal journey um, of of developing outreach in your personal life, and how is that separate from you know the outreach as you engage as a lead pastor in a church? What's the you know how do you keep those two separate? Are they separate? Or kind of talk about that.
1: Yeah, well, you know, we we all know that all of life is kind of intertwined, and, and if we try to separate it too too much, it'll it'll kind of fall apart. So all of life is intertwined, but there is this sense for pastors and leaders and and people in the local church, and I know a lot of our listeners are going to be those people that have a a staff position in a church or a high level volunteer position. They're like trying to change the culture of their church, and and for for so many people as they're walking that road, it can kind of become a my outreach happens in the church building. Pastors will say, bring people to me and I'll preach to them about Jesus. And that's great to do. And we should be doing that. But I think every pastor, every leader needs to say, do I have friends that don't know Jesus? Am I walking with people that are far from Jesus? Because here's what we're going to do. Organic outreach leads us to call every member of a local church who's a follower of Jesus to naturally share their faith. So if we as pastors and leaders aren't doing it, it's pretty hypocritical to, to say, listen, we're gonna do an invite a friend Sunday and we're gonna do an outreach event, invite a friend. And as a pastor, I haven't invited a friend to church for 30 years. If we say, listen, you gotta be out praying for the lost and spending time with people that are far from Jesus and we're in the office all day long, every day. And we don't have you know close friends that we love and care for and at times shed a tear for because they don't yet know Jesus. And so I think, well, for me, they're woven together, but there is this sense that my personal life has to model the very thing i'd like the congregational members to be living and in many cases and while both you and i have we we've worked with pastors all around the globe and all around america i mean thousands and thousands at this point probably tens of thousands of pastors that we've had a touch point with and the vast majority of them when they're honest pastors and full-time staff or part-time staff members the vast majority will say I believe in this, but I just don't do it. I don't live it the way I should. So one of the first things that we do is help them to look at their own life, because as they begin to live it, they not only can lead it, they want to lead it because they experience the joy and the passion of of walking with people toward Jesus. Yeah, it is it is
0: amazing how it just continues to feed itself once you once you get that momentum going, and and it and it bleeds into others around you. It can't you know it just raises all boats. So um, we're going to go ahead and wrap this episode up, but I want to touch on a couple of things Uh, just as we talk about organic outreach is an operating system uh, for the church. uh, Just like other operating systems, we periodically do updates for this operating system. We're learning all the time. We're learning things here at shoreline church as we implement it. We're we're finding ways to take and scale those to any size of church. Uh, We're learning things from all the churches that we work with and that we coach. We, we, the challenges they have. We develop new tools based upon those. So we're, we're constantly releasing updates. Unfortunately, uh, these are the, the kind of updates that don't cause you to reboot your entire system and have things crash and not work until you update everything else. Uh, these are things that just continue to augment all the tools and content that are out there. So to give you a, a sneak peek at some things that are coming up uh, within the next month, we're going to be releasing some abbreviated versions of the, uh, of the Outreach Influence Team agendas. If you have an operating Outreach Influence Team, uh, you know we've got six years of agendas on the website. Those continue to be intended for the Outreach Influence Team. What we've done is created a 30-minute and a 15-minute version of those agendas, not to be used with the Outreach Influence Team, but for the ministry leaders to be able to use in the context of their ministries, with the people their level four that work within those ministries, to give them... Uh, Just a a solid stream of content to use without having to create things from scratch to to encourage that influence from level three to level four. So those will be coming out shortly. Uh, We're also going to be releasing a a couple of new assessment tools to do periodic annual checkups or an initial uh, health check on your church that relate to the law of love, that relate to the mind shifts to help you identify where do you have the greatest opportunity for growth to help you build a strategy for the next 12 months. Uh, we're continuing to develop more videos uh, to be used both in training and to, to show to congregations. So keep checking our website. And if you haven't already uh, signed up for our newsletter, I encourage you to do that because we will announce all the new releases in the newsletter. Uh, the website is organicoutreach.org. Uh, and that's also where you can go uh, to click on the podcast to su- subscribe to it, as well as to see all the previous uh, episodes of our podcast that Adam Barr has been leading for the last year. Finally, I want to ask for some help. We're going to have a button within the next uh, few weeks on our website uh, for you to click. If you're a lead pastor uh, and you're doing organic outreach in your church or you're going to start doing organic outreach in your church, we ask you to click on that that link for a survey that'll do just an outreach health assessment of your church. It'll give us data that we can use to track how well organic outreach is impacting and to help us learn areas that we need to work on to go even deeper. Uh, and provide even greater tools for churches to use. So I encourage you to look for that link, and we once you engage with us, we'll be sending out a reminder every year to take that assessment, and that helps us to build a a body of data that we can use uh, to to raise funding to help us to reach the areas of the world that, that don't have the money to bring us in to help them train. So, we thank you very much for joining us on this episode. And if you have specific experiences working with organic outreach uh, in your church or your, your denomination that you feel would benefit others to hear about, let us know. We'd love to get you as a guest on our podcast. Uh, send an, an email to info at org and we'll be in touch with you to talk about uh, setting up... A podcast episode for you. Um, so be sure to watch for our next practitioner episode. Kevin will be hosting and our guest will be Adam Barr. We're going to flip the tables on him and make him the guest for the next one, uh, speaking about his experiences as the lead pastor of Peace Church in Middleville, Michigan. So thank you for joining us uh, for Organic Outreach International. This is Walt Bennett and Kevin Hardy signing off.